You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at winsboro.church. As we get started with today's lesson, I thought I'd show you some of the fun, and I use that term mildly, but some of the fun that we've been having at our house over this past week. And I put this on Facebook, had a well issue, and thankfully our house doesn't use well water. We're on city water, so this is just extra water. This is a well that was put in. The guy before me who owned the house has a pretty elaborate sprinkler system that he wanted. He kept a really nice yard, and that's what this well was put in for. And so I look at that well, and I look at that sprinkler system, and I say it's not that important. Now, I wish I could have bottled up some of that water and sent it to my mom and to other people I know who had water issues over this past week, we had minimal issues being on using city water, but uh, when it comes to the well, I did what I could, but I let a lot of that water go, just trying to figure out what I needed to do in order to tackle it. And I have to admit, it wasn't the highest necessarily thing on my priority list. Had that water been gushing into my house, it would have been very high. As it was, part of me was like, just let it run and empty it, but the pump was kicking in, even though the power is off. It was a long story. I won't get into all of it, but I had to make some decisions of what's most important, what's not important. And that's the theme of this morning's lesson. Important, not important. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we might ask of Jesus, well, what did Jesus consider important? And I want to say that's the wrong question. When it comes to Jesus, the question is, who did he consider important? The what's don't matter near as much when you have the power of creation at your fingertips. What's don't matter. The who is what matters, and it's who mattered to Jesus. And we see this in three instances in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12 are about divorce, an issue in Jesus' day, just as it's an issue still today in our church and doing studies of Scripture, trying to figure out what Jesus thought, you know, what mattered to Jesus. And again, even with this issue of divorce, it's the who matters. And I think if we put divorce in its proper context, in ancient times. We'll see that because what a man could do could justify based on Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1. If a man marries a woman and she does not please him because he has found something indecent in her, then he may draw up a divorce document, give it to her, and evict her from his house. And the question of the day amongst the Pharisees and other scholars and scribes and teachers of the law was, what's indecent? What's the line that must be crossed? Because a guy would want to maybe look for another woman. So what was egregious enough to send her away, send the first one away? And you think about ancient times when a woman really didn't have many opportunities for employment, when a woman was dependent upon her family, her husband to take care of her family, that in order to cast a woman out, she would be like a widow. 
And the Bible talks very much about taking care of widows because they had a very limited ability to take care of themselves in the day and age whenever there were not many opportunities for them to make a living, to have property, to have the same rights as the men in their day. So for a man to send a woman away, it was, well, you're not important to me. I would rather have someone. I'm the important one. I need you know, my preferences, my desires to be met. Don't meet those anymore. Out you go. And Jesus very clearly says that's not a reason to get divorced. He does mention unfaithfulness, but as far as just preference, especially when this woman's livelihood, again, in ancient times, is on the line, he says, no. They might say, well, Moses said we could, and Jesus' response in verse 5, Jesus said to them, he wrote this commandment to, for you because of your hard hearts. And Moses knew we had hard hearts. God knew we had hard hearts and gave us sometimes commands that, or instructions or even avenues because he knew that while marriage was intended to be for life, he knows we're imperfect. And that has not changed. But the question, but we might look at this whole issue of divorce and wonder, well, what does Jesus think is important? And I think it's a, we need to again ask, who does Jesus say is important? And it's the one who would be cast away. He later talks about women divorcing men. And some women of high stature in the Roman Empire could do things like that. John the Baptist talked about Philip and his wife, and he got sent in prison because he said that was not a divorce because one was casting away another, trying to up their political and financial and you know, trying to trade up, so to speak, between brothers. And he said, that's not right. Because divorces, <laughs> don't divorce in order to get better. He said, that's you know, not the reason Moses gave that uh, that that command and that instruction, don't abuse it. It has a place because human relationships break. But if you think you are more important than what you want and what you desire is more important, now it's the one being cast off. They are the ones important to Jesus. And the very next section of Scripture shows this with children. Chapter 10, verse 13. Now people were bringing little children to him, that is Jesus, for him to touch. But the disciples scolded those who brought them. Why? Because this is kind of strange again for our culture to think of in this way, but children were basically unimportant. They had potential. One day they could become strong enough to work out in the fields or be old enough to bear children as women, but until they reach that level of contributing to their society, and again, poor agrarian culture where everybody had to pull their own weight, children were often viewed as, well, eventually you will, but for now, we got to put up with you. And children weren't elevated, you know, for their innocence or their joy or their love. Actually, they're told to get out of the way while well, the important people, the grown men and women, did the important work. Kids stay over there. When you're old enough, we're going to subscript you into the important work. 
as well. And here are these, here's Jesus doing important work and his apostles doing important work because he's a rabbi, a great teacher. And people are coming to him, but these women are bringing their children. Children, no, Jesus is too important for that. He has, you know, great discussions with other teachers and of the law and rabbis about things important like divorce. And Jesus says, ah, let them come. Verse 10, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not try to stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. After he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them and blessed them. The culture of the day said kids were not important. And in some ways, women that could be sent off and divorced and put away, like something put on a shelf, they were considered unimportant. And Jesus said, no, <laughs> very important, important to me because issues and theological discussions as you would maybe want to try and have them uh, to see who's smarter. And that's why all these people raise these questions to Jesus, trying to decide, well, I want to look smart in front of Jesus, or I want to make Jesus look dumb in front of me. And all the while, Jesus is focusing on people. That's who are important to him, even the lowly ones. As in the case of his culture, women and children or the poor, the lame, the lepers, the prostitutes, the sinners, the tax collectors, everyone that the culture pushed down and said, you don't really count as much as fill in the blank. Jesus raised up his own, they matter to me. It's not what is important, it's who is important. And he takes the idea of who, who is important and who is unimportant, and he turns them on their head. As we see in the next verse about a rich young man. Chapter 10, verse 17. Now, as Jesus was starting out on his way, someone ran up to him, fell on his knees, and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good question. Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. The man said to him, Teacher, I have wholeheartedly obeyed all these laws since my youth. Jesus looks at the man. We're told he loves him. That this man came to him with a, a question about what's enough, about what do I need to do, about the issue, so to speak, or the law to be followed. And Jesus doesn't care about the what, he cares about the who. The who is important to Jesus. This rich man who the rest of everybody around would go, oh, well, that's an important guy. A young, rich, successful guy on his way to doing amazing things. Yeah, we want that guy in our ranks. We want that guy to follow us. This guy's coming to Jesus asking for advice. Man, that looks Jesus look good. That makes Jesus look good. Notice the apostles didn't send him away, but they tried to send the children away. They probably said, come on up here. Yeah, ask Jesus your question. They're important. And Jesus looks at him, and he doesn't 
hate him by any means. He doesn't diminish him. doesn't insult him. He actually looks at him and he loves him. But then he lays something incredible, uh, a job to do at his feet. Jesus looked at him, he felt love for him and said, you lack one thing, go, sell whatever you have and give the money to the poor. Which is very important too. Give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Those words, follow me, are huge. Those are the words Jesus spoke first to Peter and the other apostles that got them out of their boat. Follow me, you know, it's Jesus' simple instruction to say, yeah, come on, you can be with me. You can partner in my ministry. We're going to do amazing things together. Maybe this guy could have been the 13th apostle. Jesus tells him the exact same thing he told the other 12. But this is a heartbreaking story. But at this statement, the man looked sad and went away sorrowful. For he was very rich. He was very important. He had a lot of things to do. And when it comes down to it, he was too important for Jesus. He had too much to give up for Jesus. And he went away sad. That is a sad, sad story. But we have a good story right before it of the children who came to Jesus. And Jesus received them, and in some ways they... They received Jesus. They were content. Even the little babies who maybe didn't know, but they were, they were okay with Jesus, just having Jesus and Jesus blessing them, laying his hands on them. And the mothers who brought these young children to him and saying, God, these, these are important. Whenever an important man comes up, yeah, Jesus, you're important. He took him with love. But unfortunately, he was too important for his own good. And that scares me a little bit because I like to think I'm important. I'm a preacher. Certainly, God considers me important. Well, the way that God looks at us, <laughs> it's not even a matter of important versus un unimportant. Important versus not important. And that that's not even the question. It's like it's not the question of what is important. No, it's who is important. And the answer is all of us. We're all important enough that Jesus would extend his invitation and say, come follow me. Come be a part of what I'm doing. Leave behind the unimportant stuff. All stuff. It's all unimportant. All your worries and cares, and we've had a lot over this past week, and I have, and I've gotten up in the middle of the night, checked the water, make, trying to make sure it's not freezing in the house, and getting up, make, paying as much attention as I should have to the well house, but you know, trying to, again, balance what's important, and Jesus, ah, the people, the people around you, they are important. They're important to God, and they should be important to you. I love the words in Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort provided by love, any fellowship in the Spirit, any affection or mercy, complete my joy 
Paul the Apostle is writing this to the church of Philippi, complete my joy and be of the same mind by having the same love, being united in spirit and having one purpose. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others as well. You should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had. Jesus looked at the world, the fallen, broken world, and said, they're important. And he treated us even as more important than, ourself, than himself, because he was willing to die in our place. If somebody's got to die, it'll be me. You can live. Jesus looked at us as the who was important to him. And so as his followers, those who, unlike that rich young ruler, who have followed him. And maybe we haven't sold everything given to the poor. Maybe we haven't been asked to, or maybe we're still in the process of figuring that out and what our following looks like specifically, how much. And it's not a matter of what do I need to do enough. That's where the rich young ruler got it wrong. It's no, Jesus, you are the important one. And if we say, Jesus, you're the important one, if we assert that he is our, not what is important, but who is important, then he says, all right, now everybody else is important too. That's why I told the rich young ruler, take your money, give it to everybody else. They're just as important as you. Treat them even as more important than you. And that's why Jesus is treating him. That's why Jesus treats us. And that lets the air out of the tires of pride. The thing that gets us in trouble. Whenever we think, well, my viewpoints are important. I must be smarter than all the other idiots out there. <laughs> I must, you know, I must be right and everybody else, all those other people are wrong. Now Jesus said, actually, whenever you look at somebody, even whom you would disagree with, the first assumption you make is they count more than me. Their view is more important than mine. If that's our baseline, as we're told in Philippians, treat others even as more important than yourself. Because that's what Jesus did. And the what's that we might worry about, the issues, even though we might turn to Scripture trying to figure out you know, what are the most important issues, or all of Scripture says that's the wrong question. It's the who is important. And the answer it gives for that question is, holy crap, you are. So are you. And as far as Colby Crab, make sure you look at everybody else. And remember, treat them like they're more important than you. Because there's a line at the end of all this. Mark chapter 10, verse 31. Many who are first will be last, and the last first 
Jesus put himself last. In Philippians 2, actually, it goes on in this amazing poem about Jesus to show how he put himself last, but God put him first. And Jesus gives that teaching to us, saying, put yourself last. Because because you are important to God, and he will lift you up. He will put you first. The children that they wanted to push last, Jesus says, no, up to the front. And this rich young ruler who would maybe put himself up there, have an audience with Jesus because of his unwillingness to follow, he was pushed to the end. I don't want that to be me. Where I'm so concerned about the things that I think are so important, the things I think are so important. And I put on, I arrange them and I make them, you know, build my life on them. All the while, I myself am getting pushed further last, and the people even around me getting pushed last, and I find myself finishing last. I don't want that to happen for me, for you, for anyone in God's church and the church that Jesus bought because he said, you are important to me. Get rid of the stuff that's not important. And it's not what the world, and in reverse, the world tells us, oh, so much of this is important. Jesus says, no. People. The ones that you would even discount and the world would look down on and diminish, they're the important ones. You treat them as such, as I treated you as such.